One way you can support Radio Phoenix is by becoming one of our members. For as little as $35 per year, members receive discounts, savings, and other benefits provided by our membership program partners. And don't forget, the membership fee is tax deductible. For more information or to sign up, call 480-829-5746 or go online to radiophoenix.org. Click on the support tab at the top and then become a member on the drop-down menu. We thank you for your generous support of Community Radio. La culpa no es de tu papá, que la tiene tu mamá. Que pelo más raro tiene, que pasa más cómoda. Que siendo tu padre un blanco, tú saliste una java. Que pelo más raro tiene, que pasa más cómoda. Que te pintaste de rubia y tú eres una java. Que pelo más raro tiene, que pasa más Felton on Power to the People at Radio Phoenix. 
right here in downtown Phoenix. You know, we could do the whole show just on healthcare, I think. And, and this may be the issue, uh, Delino, possibly that you know the most about. Uh, I would say, though, that we'd like to broach some, a couple other issues, at least, though, um, that are involved in, in congressional policy and that'll be part of the campaign. Um, and a couple are immigration, also uh, foreign policy, uh, and, and then uh, perhaps uh, economic policy. With regard, and you're a business person, uh-huh. and so you 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 know, obviously we want to see a healthy economy. And what ta- what should our tax policies be, our regulation policies be? And because you you know you have firsthand knowledge of, of how the business and and the government interacts. But let me let me get into immigration just a little bit. We talked a little bit about it early off, Mike. And as we speak today, uh, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments with regards to the DACA case. And, of course, there's the issue of comprehensive immigration reform. There's, you know, the, the policies of the Trump administration with regards to people seeking asylum. Do you, do you want to just kind of lay out in general terms, uh, Delina, you know, your positions on immigration issues encompassing those those three areas? Well, um, regarding the DACA, since it's happening right now uh, within the Supreme Court, um, imagine coming over. The average age, I think, is around six or seven um, that DACA um, dreamers have come over uh, with their parents. So all they know in this country is our values, our beliefs, and and our country. And so they want to be citizens of the United States. So can you imagine growing up, you're coming, say say a two or three-year-old, they've they've grown up, they went through um, high school, they're in college, they may even be married now, maybe even some with children. And then they get deported back to, and it may not even be Mexico. It could be uh, Guatemala, it could be El Salvador, um, it could be any of the countries. It could be what we talked about earlier, um, Africa, um, Asia. So you have these children and you send them back there, they don't have family there anymore. They don't have anything there anymore. There's no, there's no substance there, there's no base there. Who, you're gonna send them there and just leave them? That's like kicking a, a patient out of a hospital and throwing them out on the street. They don't know what to do or where to go. And so we cannot do that to them. And we need to pass this uh, law. We need to make it law. Um, and so I, I believe that these dreamers need to have uh, the protections in place that, that are needed. Um, in regards to um, Im- immigration, um, it's, it is a very complicated issue, to be honest with you. In this day and age, um, we are having um, uh, famine, you know, because of climate change. We're having um, a lot of poverty that's going on in these countries and water issues. Um, And so they are not being able to get jobs there. So they're looking for the dream, the American dream. And we have always had this beacon to say, come, come to us and come have the American dream. And so, and they come here, they're trying to come here. And then they're coming in here by droves now. And yes, it's, 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 it's a difficult situation to, to, to talk about. And a lot of people don't like to talk about it. But we need to have comprehension reform. We do immigration reform. Um, McCain, John McCain and Ted Kennedy, um, they did a great immigration bill that never passed. And so we need to look at that bill again. And we need to say, 
What is it that we need to do as a country? And yes, we do have to protect ourselves. We do have people that do want to come over through the immigration process and want to hurt us um, uh, through maybe terrorism or whatever. But you know what? Our border patrol people are very good at their job. And I have talked to a few of them, and they are really good at their job. But you know what they need? They need the technology. They don't need a wall to be put up um, to to be able to keep people out, because you're going to how many tunnels have we found uh, underneath these walls? And how many ladders can they build um, to be able to get over or squeeze through? Some of them, they can even squeeze through. So what we need is why don't we take those billions and billions of dollars and really help the Custom Border Patrol and give them the technology and the equipment that they need and also the housing. Um, They really are, uh, some of them don't even live with their families because they're living out in the middle of nowhere um, and they don't want to bring their families there or there's no schools or whatever. We need to be able to um, be able to give them the salaries and the monies that they need so that they and the vacation time that they need so that they can be with their families. Um, I mean, there's this when you look at the whole picture, it could be overwhelming in regards to what's really going on. And so I believe that we need to fund the Custom Border Patrol. Um, and with the things that they need. And uh, again, billions of dollars for a wall is not going to be the answer. And then we also have to look at the economics. There's monies that we give to Guatemala and El Salvador and to other countries. And that's the kind of money that we need to be looking at in regards to what are they doing with it so that their people are being protected in those countries too. Um, when you have human trafficking, uh, when you have um, uh, uh, gangs and, and killings that are going on, um, we need to make sure that they're spending those monies correctly or don't give it to them or do, or do tariffs or something. We need to come up with some better ideas in regards to how to be able to take care of that because that's why those people are fleeing. They're afraid their children are going to be killed or they're going to be human trafficked. Um, and also they can't find a job. So there's, there's a bigger picture. And then the people that are running these countries, are they dictators? Are, what are they doing with the money? Are they abusing the money? So we're a great country. We have great ideas. I don't understand why we even have the problems that we do. We can fix these problems. We can if we, all, if we, if we stop fighting about it and start talking about it. The background, br- briefly, of uh, the current immigration law it was changed significantly in 1986 with the Simpson-Mazzoli bill, which for the first time and this relates to to you and your husband's background as employers. I'm presu- well, I'm I'm making a presumption that in your business background you've employed people, you've hired people. Okay, yeah. I'm making that presumption that that's true. Um, and since then, only beginning then at that time was it illegal for an employer to hire somebody that they knew to not be legally authorized to work in the United States. That is, they're not a citizen or have the proper legal authorization, green card, let's say. And and then there's been proposals within these comprehensive immigration proposals to require employers to use E-Verify to confirm in a more sophisticated way so that there's not document abuse, document fraud, mm-hmm. to make sure these people are legally authorized to work in the United States, whether they're citizens or not citizens. Do you have a position, based on your experience as a business person, do you have a, a position on this E-Verify? Should it be implemented now? Or, you know, should this be be part of a whole big uh, comprehensive immigration bill that would also give essentially amnesty for a lot of the people who've been long-term residents here, even though they've been here illegally? 
Well, I, you know, the E-Verify really is not working. It doesn't matter because uh, many of the people who um, are looking for a job can get a Social Security number and a legal Social Security number. So if you put it on the E-Verify, it's going to come up legal. And then also, E-Verify doesn't have to be uh, implemented for, I think it's in employees that are, um, if you have less small, than 50. Yeah, if you're a small business. Yeah, if you're a small business, what, you don't have to use it. Yeah, what you say about the Social Security numbers is is true because the a lot of times, uh, so like if someone dies, like you're supposed to report that so they can cancel the Social Security number, but sometimes it, it Either it'll get canceled and get kicked back into the system, or it won't get canceled, and somehow these get on to the black market and they're able to exactly. sell them. The proposals are to universalize E-Verify, which it is not now, so that every employer has to utilize this system, and that this would be a better system since we've advanced a lot technologically since 1986. Exactly, and so that we can develop a system like we have sophisticated credit cards and all that that would, you know. Besides just somebody handing you paper documents that, and you make a photocopy of them, stick them in the file. Oh, okay, you're you're good to go. You got a social security card. You got this and that, so you're good to go. And that can be defrauded. Right. And so, the, supposedly, e-verify is a way, a more sophisticated way, as it exists today, uh-huh. to to really confirm that somebody legitimately is authorized to work in the United States. Right. So I don't know. Is that well? Let's let's put it this way. There are, I don't, I don't there's there's. There's, I don't know how many people. I mean, there's numbers are all over the part when they talk about undocumented immigrants. So I believe that we need to get them out of the shadows. Right now, when there's a, something, a criminal thing that goes on in the neighborhood, they're even afraid to call the cops uh, to be able to come there and, and protect them or protect somebody else because they're afraid that they're going to be um, deported. Um, deported. But that's, that's across the board. Like, um, you see that in... Not only with Im- immigrants, but specifically with people that look like me. Right? Exactly. We, we don't call the cops. We they either handle it in house or it. Well, our criminal. Ju- we can talk about that too. Our criminal justice system is is horrible. Right. Okay. Right. So so the thing is, we need to bring them out of the shadows. And 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 yes, I think we should bring them out of the shadows. Um, some of them already pay taxes. Again, they're using the uh, tax um, IDs that they have, and they're paying taxes. And they're hoping that if they ever do become legal, they could say, "Look, I paid. I've paid all these taxes all these years." And we have a lot of people in this area that do that. Um, so I. I think what we need to do is when get them out of the shadows and give them a number. It doesn't have to be a, a, a specific social security number, but give them a number that they can use to get a job. Right now, you're bringing them out of the shadows, and now you're going to head and, and looking into giving them citizenship. Let them go through the paperwork. John McCain again, he's the one who said, "Hey, why don't we charge everyone five thousand dollars and go through the uh, citizen paperwork, and then give them a number, and then let them find work, let them let them live in a society of citizenship, so that everyone is is welcomed in, and then have them go through the process. Then we're bringing them out of the shadows, and that's what we really need to do because." Because if we have more people in the shadows, we're going to have more gangs and we're going to have more criminals going on. If we bring them out, they're going to be able to feel that they're able to, um, uh, you know, be part of society and be able to um, uh, put their children in school and take their children to school and get a job and um, be able to um, work in the community. And right now they're 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 doing it 
you know, in the dark. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of E-Verify. There's just too many issues that could happen with that, and uh, you could abuse, you could easily abuse that. Like, right. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of E-Verify at all. What are your feelings generally on our current deployments? Um, do you see us in a war with Islamic fascism, specifically Al-Qaeda and ISIS? What are your positions overall on this issue, on well, these broad issues, I guess? Well, I guess, you know, first off, we should have never left Syria. We should have never left the Kurds. Um, and and <laughs> GOP and the Dems are all together on this, a lot of them. Um, and now they're in danger because Turkey wants to come in and um, basically annihilate them. Also, they had thousands and thousands of ISIS terrorists uh, in prisons. And so here they are guarding them. And now they're trying to be able to protect their families, be able to. And now they're being actually run out of northern Syria. So now these terrorists have the opportunity to escape. Yeah, some of them have over 100 at least have escaped. Exactly. And, 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 you know, that's that's the numbers that they're telling you is 100 so that we don't have the biggest fear. But I can guarantee you there are a lot more out there that are out. And so you're talking about having um, um, and, and Turkey, you know, Turkey and also Syria. A lot of those were those fighters, uh, Turkish and, and Syrian fighters for these ISIS uh, uh, fighters. So now they're going to be coming out. They're getting out. Um, um, and so where are they going to go? They're, they're going to either wind up. And, and then the, what makes me more fearful is our guys are guarding an oil uh, field that we don't even get the oil. We don't we don't get any of that oil. And the Kurds had an agreement with Syria, and that's where they were being protected. They weren't being bombed or anything. And those the, the oil was going to Syria. So now that where's that oil going to go to? Why are we protecting something that's actually Syria's oil? So these are the concerns that I have um, in regards to that. Now, in regards to our military, um, we spend so much money in regards to our military, and that has a lot to do with the contracts that we have um, with the companies that um, that you know build our equipment and our technology, and so. They overcharge, and it's the clauses that's in those contracts. So if they say, I'm going to build so many missiles, right? And in that contract, they'll say, well, you know, if this happens, I'm going to charge this. And if this happens, I'm going to charge this. And if this happens, I'm going to charge this. So there's really no oversight on those contracts. And that's what we need to have is those contracts are what's costing our military billions and billions of dollars. Halliburton. Yeah, Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I don't, I don't want to name names because some of them are here in the Phoenix area, and you know, they they employ a lot of our employees. But you know what? That we need to look at those contracts and say, look, if you need more money, come back to the government and say, this is what we need, so that we know where the monies are truly going, because you can charge anything they basically want after they build so many of of, of whatever military equipment it is that we need, um, and. And so that's why we have these overruns, these overcosts um, in our military. I come from a military family. My dad was in Army intelligence. Um, I have uncles um, that were in uh, the Air Force and uh, the Navy and Army. I had a brother that was in the Navy uh, in the Air Force. And so and I had a niece that was in the Navy. 
So I come from uh, a military uh, family, and I understand um, what they're going through and, and, the, and the fear it is to have somebody over uh, overseas and, and, and not be able to know where they are or whatever. And I feel for those families also. And so we need to be able to uh, protect them, and, 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 but we do need to still have a military force of some sort. I don't trust Russia. Russia, my, my dad, again, was in military <laughs> army intelligence. Um, when I was a baby, uh, he was very involved with the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis um, and also uh, during the Cold War. And he had told me when I got older um, what the impact Russia has on this world and how they manipulate and undermine our country. And not just our country, countries all over the world. And so they want to have that manipulation and power. And that's why I believe, I totally believe that that Trump, that's what Trump is doing right now is he's being manipulated tremendously. And that's what's hurting our country. And actually that is a sign of um, our national security at risk. So in regards to um, the military, we need to have it. We have to have it, uh, just in case. Um, but don't don't overspend and 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 manipulate the prices that are going on because we are, we put too much money into the military, and it's not because so much of the military's fault. It's because of the companies that we give these contracts to. Do you, do you support our current deployment in in Iraq and also in Afghanistan? Afghanistan is the largest deployment currently. Right. Um, to be honest with you, we can't take them out right now. I'm, I, w- I would love to take them out. Um, um, of Afghanistan and Iraq, but what we need to make sure is that we um, are going to be taking them out uh, safely um, and that there is some kind of control there that that is not going to bring um, ISIS uh, terrorists back into those into those um, countries. Um, and because if they're if they're there, they're going to grow even more. And we really do need to watch out for the ISIS fighters. We really do. The ISIS terrorists are going to um, if they grow, um, it's going to it's going to hurt um, all of us. All right, let, let's m- move on, and I just want to give you a little heads up before we we finally wrap up this interview. Uh, the last question we'll have is to let you kind of cover anything that we have not covered that you think is important. It's to kind of a conclusion here, but before we get to that, uh, the last question, and this question also relates a lot to your background as a business person in terms of general economic policy. I mean, that's the other big issue, of course, yeah. in the presidential campaign, jobs, you know, a healthy economy. And right now we have a fairly strong economy in America, but are we going to sustain it are we, with the trade war? Are, are we going to throw ourselves into a global recession over this trade war that Trump's pushing? So maybe you have some uh, opinions in that area with, you know, in terms of taxation, regulation, because you know firsthand as a business person how you know what that's about from your perspective as a business person so go ahead and and let us know what you know how do you feel on that area well okay so congressional district 4 is 33,000 square miles Um, and so that's a lot of ground and going around all of and and again last year 2018 I went around it I'm going around it again Um, most of the concern out there is jobs Uh, many people in this um, in this district are actually just can't find work can't find enough can't find a job that's going to pay enough and so what happens is is they're going to decide at age 62 they're going to start taking social security and so that's the kind of concern that I have our district it's uh, congressional district 4 is under the um, how do I want to say this not uh, the bottom t- you know 10 percent 
okay, is ninth out of 102 districts in our in the whole United Western uh, United States. Okay, so it's ninth out of 102 in medium household income. So it's the lowest. It's bottom 10 um, of 102 districts in medium household income. Now, Paul Gosar hasn't done anything in regards to jobs here in um, Congressional District 4. When I went up to Kingman and I've talked to um, uh, a young lady who came from uh, Utah. She was a teacher there. She was making $42,000 a year in Utah. And she came down to Kingman because she wanted to be with her mom who was um, getting older and getting sicker. And so she has a small daughter, and she got a job in Kingman for $26,000 a year for a teacher. And so she can't work on that kind of um, uh, money. I mean, this well, is... live. I mean, live. She can't live on it. Excuse me? You said work. You mean she can't live. She can't live. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Well, I mean, she almost can't work on it. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, she can't live for twenty on $26,000 a year. Um, and so here she has now her mom, who's, who's sick and can't work. She has her daughter, and she's living with her mother. Um, and so it's it's very they're struggling all the time. And then I have a woman in Lake Havasu City that I talked to. She has um, she gets nine hundred dollars a month in Social Security, and she has six hundred dollars a month in um, medical um, just drugs alone. Okay, her prescriptions are six hundred dollars. Um, I don't know how she how she's even able to survive, and she makes just a little too much to be on Medicaid. So it's 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 sad all over and there's no reason why we can't bring jobs here jobs like renewable energy solar wind and it's not just building them a lot of people say oh well you know it's you know we yeah we can build them but then what's going to happen we have transportation we got to transport them somewhere um we have uh, electricians we have plumbers we have um uh, cement workers we have uh we have to uh, buy the land we have to um do all this stuff it's it's a bigger picture than just building them and we can bring jobs like that there's also from what i hear i just heard uh in pinal county they're opening up a uh, hydrogen plant I think for engines, um, and so hydrogen is getting to be a real popular thing, and I think we can get jobs throughout that um, all over this district and all over the state. Um, and so those are the kind of things that we need to be looking at: not drilling in the Grand Canyon, not drilling for uranium in the Grand Canyon, and that's what Paul Gosar wants to do. Now, yes, we have a great big pocket of uranium in the Grand Canyon, and the only reason why they want it is because uranium prices have gone up. And so, of course, the energy companies want that. But you know what? We have uranium mining all over this country. Uranium is all over the world. And so we already have enough mines in this country to be able to give what it is for the needs of our military for uranium right now or for nuclear plants. We have plenty, plenty of, um, of, of uranium. Um, so, And that's not going to bring jobs because energy companies bring their own crews in anyway and they may use temporary work. So he's not bringing in jobs. He's not even looking at the people um, of his district to be able to cover for all that. And so that that's why... Um, that's why he needs to go. Anything else, Gross, before we wrap it up? No. no, no. Okay. No. Tell the people how they can get a hold of you. Oh, yeah, please. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I forgot. So please visit my website. Um, it's www.delinadesanto.com. Can, can you spell that out, please? Sure. So Delina DeSanto is D E L I N A. 
D-I-S-A-N-T-O. So www.delinadesanto.com. I will definitely respond to you in any emails that you send to me. Um, I like to personally uh, uh, answer you. Uh, And then also um, we have our phone number and our address there. If you want to mail us anything uh, or contact us through uh, the website, uh, please check it out. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Great. Fantastic. We'll uh, hope to maybe uh, have you back, perhaps, as the nominee, perhaps, uh, later on in the fall. So thanks again. You guys have a, a great day. And thank you again, listeners, to Radio Phoenix for tuning in to another Power to the People.